Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Audrey Seek. Now, just weeks ago, Japan became the fifth country to land its spacecraft on the moon after the U.S., Russia, China, and India. According to the European Space Agency, more than 100 lunar missions are expected to take place globally by 2030. Turning back the clock from the late 1950s to the mid-1970s, the space race started off with the U.S. and Russia embroiled in a bitter competition with each aiming to show superiority in spaceflight. For more insights on why there's a global race to conquer outer space, we're joined by Professor Eric Lansard from NTU's School of Electrical and Electronic Engineering. Professor, good morning and welcome to breakfast. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for joining us. Well, Japan recently pulled off a lunar soft landing, becoming the fifth nation to achieve this alongside the U.S., Russia, China, India. What's sparking fresh interest in the moon, you think? Oh, yes. And uh, by the way, uh, Japan has, uh, has landed, but it has landed uh, <laughs> upside down because, you know, the probe has landed but on the head and not on his feet. But it's OK. And what is behind that? I would say that it's not uh, a race to the moon. It's more about how you get there mm. and kind of partnerships that you built. And from that perspective, there is a, a big attempt uh, with two blocks. Okay. Well, we understand that both the U.S. and China are aiming to land probes near the lunar south pole at the Shackleton Crater. Could you give us some sense as to what we know about this part of the moon at this point? Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, this uh, crater is an impact crater. Uh, the size is 21 kilometers in diameter and the depth is 4 kilometers. And the characteristic, it is uh, always in the shadow. And in the bottom of the crater, there are very high suspicion of uh, ice water, which is of prime importance for exploration. And all the mounts which are around the crater are perpetually uh, light by the sun. And it makes this place a very nice place to set up a lunar outpost for future uh, astronauts and also to study, to put in place some instruments uh, on the far side, uh, on the shadow of this crater to, to study the far universe. Okay, Professor, moon missions have a long history, and yet landing on the lunar surface, as you pointed out, still seems tricky, right? It's clearly far from straightforward. So why is it so challenging despite advancing technology over the years? Mm, That's a very interesting question indeed. Uh, People might be surprised, and personally, I've been also surprised by this uh, failure, but we must always remember that space is very complex, and although Everything is done to avoid failure. Sometimes it's happening and one detail can be the the cause of that. Of course, the technology has improved a lot, uh, but this uh, technology has been more and more complex, allowing to do more and more very interesting things. And there is, uh, okay, maybe also there is some lack of transmission between the generation. It has been so long uh, since uh, the U.S. has gone to the moon that... uh, 
there is an interruption that has not been very favorable, but I'm very confident that uh, more and more uh, future missions will be successful. Well, Professor, you pointed out the complexity of space exploration, but beyond the moon, we know that the space race began really as an arms race between the U.S. and Russia in terms of who has the most superior technology. How far has space technology progressed since then? Well, it has progressed a lot. Mm. In particular, in particular, I think the, the next challenge that will be, of course, of interest for, for us on the Earth is uh, how we would uh, we will cooperate between uh, humans and robots in order to explore, of course, uh, the moon and make uh, maybe some uh, mining activities uh, and also to prepare the next step, which will be, uh, I have no date in mind, but uh, which will be to explore uh, Mars uh, planet as well. But again, technology is improving, is improving and uh, ever improving. Okay, so tapping into this improvement, Professor, there's talk of establishing lunar bases for future exploration. What are the potential benefits of having a human presence on the moon? What obstacles do we need to overcome? Well, every mission that needs to have a human on board is de facto extremely complex. Uh, the factor of uh, complexity and cost in general is a factor 10, uh, if not more. Uh, look at the space shuttle, look at this program. So the benefit that we could have is a, a very good test to, as I said, by, for the cooperation between uh, humans and robots, which is, uh, of course, of interest here, and uh, as well uh, for civilian and military application. Uh, what is, of course, of interest is also to be able to find some new elements. Uh, there is, it, it is still uh, discussed, but uh, helium-3 is something extremely uh, valuable and expensive, uh, available on the moon. Will we be able to extract that from the soil? Will we be able to bring back to Earth and uh, so that we can uh, benefit from these new resources, lunar resources? It's unclear at present, but there is some, uh, some perspective to explore. All right, let's get into security now, Professor. As more countries have joined the space race the last few decades, are there heightened security concerns that we should be aware of? Um, yeah, in the past, there has been some uh, projects from military, uh, I would say from uh, former Soviet Union, from the U.S., to use the, the moon as a base for surveillance and maybe uh, locating weapons. But it has been uh, stopped by the treaty, an international treaty in 1967. And more recently, there is a, a strong push under the control of the United Nations so that the moon is not used for any military applications. And also the moon should not belong to one country. It's a common property of uh, mankind. And this should be uh, respected by uh, main players. It's a little bit like, like Antarctica, if I make a parallel. Antarctica is a place uh, which is a common property uh, of every country. All right, Professor, space exploration is pretty expensive. So how challenging is it to slash costs when it comes to building the right equipment that can get us into space? <laughs> it's a funny question because, uh, in fact, yes, it's extremely expensive. And there is always a debate. Uh, should we put uh, money in uh, other places, maybe for more uh, uh, urgent needs and so on? Uh, slashing cost, of course, is uh, mandatory. But you, you see, if we slash 
cost too much without paying enough attention to the testing of the technology and so on, we have failure. And on top of the cost, we don't have the results that are expected. So there is a balance to find. It's not easy. But again, if we want to have purely automatic mission, it will cost less than if we have humans. So humans, okay, this is a strong debate and this is a lot of expenses. And that's why only the big countries so far, which are able to do uh, such missions, have started. I believe it will not be a switch for smaller countries with less budget, but international cooperation is there to allow everyone to participate. All right. Before we wrap up, Professor, the million dollar question, any bets on who's taking the lead in the space race this year? <laughs> okay. Uh, so far, I would say that, uh, okay, the first one historical, the U.S. has been very well positioned, but since 1972, nothing happened regarding the moon. Uh, the moon. Um, currently, uh, China has already landed three times, so I would say that uh, China is, uh, is in a good position, well positioned to define future norms and standards, and it's most probably why they are here. It's to be a recognized actor, and the good news is that they are not alone, and that uh, we have also Russia, Russia. China, India, uh, Israel wants to do something, UK, I mean, many in Japan and many uh, countries will be soon there and it will pave the way, uh, I believe, I'm quite convinced that it will pave the way for fruitful cooperation in the future. A cosmic deep dive into space exploration from lunar landings to the evolving space race. Thanks so much, Professor, for joining us on Breakfast this morning. Thank you. Have a good uh, day. You too. We were speaking with Professor Eric Lansard from NTU's School of Electrical and Electronic Engineering. Keep it here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.